everyone. Welcome to the Journey of Ruth podcast. My name is Courtney Lohman, and I just want to thank you so much for joining us today. Did you guys know that October is Infant Loss Awareness Month? You definitely know that if you listen to episode five with Karen Harrison, where she talked about her own fertility struggles and what it's like losing a child. Um, there is an event going on this weekend called the Made Known Event, and it's being put on by Forget Me Not Ministries. It'll be this Saturday, October 19th at 8.30 a.m. at Palmcroft Church in Phoenix, Arizona. And if you've experienced a loss, maybe you know someone who's lost a child, or maybe you just want to know how you can support those who have lost a baby better, this is a must-go-to event. It's a great event for husbands and wives together, for men, women, single, married, for all groups of people to go and to learn and to grieve and remember together. So I'm going to put the info up on our Facebook and our Instagram pages, and then I will also put a link in the show notes. And if you are near Phoenix, I really highly suggest that you go to this event. So today's guest is Heather Babb. Heather is a teacher and she is a worship minister at her church. We have a great time talking and what you're going to hear is just her sincerity and the sweetness of her heart. We dive in deep right away and then we get a little giddy towards the end. But I hope you guys will enjoy my conversation with Heather Babb. I didn't think through what I ate for breakfast, and so I'm like, <clears throat> but that's really the only thing I thought through this morning. That I was like, well, that's kind of inconvenient. So that's a singer thing to say. Yeah, no one else would think about like how what they're they're gonna eat is gonna affect the way their voice sounds. It's so true. I was like, I just don't want to be clearing my throat like the whole time. I was like, I don't know that she could edit them all. <laughs> I did that like every like time I tried to answer a question or in the middle of a question or whatever. Hey, it's okay. We can always edit whatever. <laughs> So, um, we're actually already recording, so we can just get started. Nice. Yeah. So, thank you so much for coming and talking with us. Oh, yeah. Anytime. I appreciate it. I'm excited about getting your opinion on worship and other things. So Cool. I'm excited, too. Yeah. So, this is Heather Babb, and uh, tell us about yourself. Introduce yourself. Um, well, I... I mean, there's not a lot to say about me. I'm a second grade teacher, <laughs> and um, I volunteer as a worship leader at a local church called Light of Hope Bible Church, and I've been married to my husband for almost nine years, and up until this point, we've had four fur babies, and now we have a real baby coming in the middle of March. Yay! So, very excited about that. Yay, so exciting. Yeah. Man, so you teach second grade. Mm-hmm. You're one of the... I don't know if it's blessed or crazy. <laughs> it depends on the day. <laughs> <laughs> a lot. How many kids do you have in your class? Um, this year I have 20, which is a great number. It's like, it's the perfect number to be able to feel like I have a good relationship with all my students and, and it, yeah, it doesn't get too crazy on the crazy days. So that's good. Yeah. Awesome. Um, so, uh, you are married to Andrew mm-hmm. and, um, talk a little bit about I mean, how long have you guys been married? It'll be nine years in December. Nine years. Yeah. Wow. Um, so, baby's due in March. Yes. Is it a girl or a boy? Do you know? 
are you saying? They they gave us like a really good guess when I was 14 weeks, but we won't really know until um, I have an appointment on the 24th. So okay. A couple weeks. Got it. So still in the, the limbo. Yes. Not sure. <laughs> so you guys are going to find out. You're not going to make it like a surprise. Right. Yeah. Okay. Very cool. You don't have to say them, but do you have names picked out? We we have a little girl name picked out, but we have, like, a short list of boy names. Okay. Right now, there's, like, eight on it, but I can't guarantee it won't grow. So <laughs> <laughs> I want to be really sure. So. Did one of you have the girl name picked out for a really long time? Um, we actually both did. It was funny because, I mean, we've been married for nine years, and so, you know, we talk about kids on occasion. And, and when we would, we talk about what we've named them. And for some reason, the girl name just came really easily. And But, I mean, it's changed several times over the years. Uh-huh. But this one has probably been the most consistent for, for the longest period of time. So That's so interesting. Yeah. I find when people are like, yeah, we have this name, but we're not sure about the other gender. Yeah. I'm always like, how long have you had that name? Like, you know, and yeah. it, usually it's one of the parents has had that name or wanted that name for a really long time. Wow. And, yeah. you know, so that was how Jackson's name was. Like, Sweet. he was always going to be named Jackson because that's what Jeff had wanted since he was in high school. I love that. So, yeah. Okay, so you guys have been married for nine years, but this is your first baby. Yes. Was that planned? Have you guys always wanted a yes, baby? it was planned. Um, in fact, I would say... I don't know. I can be so emotionally driven sometimes that this was actually like a really deeply intellectually thought out, very like spiritually led, God directed decision in our lives. I mean, as it probably should be because it's a big life change. (laughs) It is. So (laughs) my husband and I talk about that all the time. We're like, it is a big decision. Don't do it unless you're sure. Yes. Yeah, so this is, it was one of those things where, I mean, we we checked in often over the last nine years with each other just to make sure we were still, you know, feeling like we needed to wait, and and then um, in this season, it just all of a sudden was really clear that this is, you know, this was God's timing for us, and we both had peace about it, even though, you know, the idea of becoming a parent is intimidating. There's so many things you don't know, and you can't know until you are a parent, Um, but yeah, we just, we had complete peace about it and it happened really fast and everything, every detail, I mean, God plans things perfectly. And I think what's been blowing my mind too is the fact that so often his plan, you know, it's always perfect, you know, it's better than mine. And a lot of times those details don't line up, but this Mm -hmm. has been one of those seasons where I felt really seen by God that, you know, the details that were important to me, God was like, yes, I, I either put that desire in you or I see that mm-hmm. and I want to give that to you. And so, I mean, even the fact that my maternity leave matches up with spring break and then I have just enough maternity leave, like um, paid time off days saved up to take me through the end of the school year. And, mm-hmm. you know, the fact that Andrew's got a job that can take care of our family so I can stay home, things like that, that just, I could, I could not have planned it. Yeah. So the fact that you have a student teacher this semester to yes. take over for she's and she's amazing. You know, I just you the student teaching experience is so challenging, and so I I didn't want to put like the huge burden of being like, hey, do you want to take over my class come March? But it was just so clear from the beginning that this was one of the ways that God had had gifted the situation with His provision and. Every day I work with her, she just thinks so much like me and acts so much like me as a teacher that, you know, I know that the transition would be really smooth for my kids because they already have a relationship with her and they know that she loves them. And so, yeah, I feel complete peace about all of that, which is not usually the case. Sometimes it's hard to find a long-term sub. So yeah, the fact that she's already agreed and she's excited about being back in March is just so exciting to me. That's awesome. Yeah. 
So you said that you guys had kind of checked in mm. with each other, and um, I assume you also checked in with God yes. in the yeah. process. Uh, did you feel like God was saying, wait? Did you feel like he was saying no, or did he just not say anything so you didn't take any steps forward? Um, it was definitely very clearly a wait. And um, we both have wanted kids, you know, before we got married, we talked about that. And that's something that we've always wanted to be parents. And um, we honestly thought it probably would happen sooner than it did. I mean, I can't tell you how many times we had a plan for when it was going to happen. <laughs> and we would get to that like year of marriage or that stage in our lives. And um, and we would talk about it and, and we would pray about it. And um, yeah, it was there was, I don't know, a fight in my heart because I think on paper it made sense to, you know, to start a family in that season because, you know, my age is a factor. It's, you know, something that we wanted to consider. And, you know, the stage of life that we were in, the fact that a lot of people normally have babies in that season of life, those kinds of things, I think they weighed more heavily on me than they did on Andrew. Mm-hmm. Um, but talking with him about it and praying about it with him and, you know, talking to our friends and our family, um, it just... It was it was very clear, and, and at the end of the process, each time we had complete peace that God was asking us to wait, and that when the time came that we would know for sure. And so hmm. I, I think that that Andrew was so important to that process for me because, you know, I, I, spend, I spent a lot of my life up until probably the last three or four years kind of I, creating safety in my life by... Um, figuring out like what people wanted from me or what I was supposed to do and, and doing those things. And and that was kind of how I created a sense of safety and control in my life. And so when it made sense on paper for us to start, you know, our family, I start looking at starting our family. And then Andrew was able to confirm the things that were happening in my heart that God was clearly putting there, that it wasn't time. And, and that when it was time, we would know. Um, I think that that was just such a a power, powerful thing for my relationship with God. Like it taught me to, to lean into those things that, that I knew were true. And then also, you know, it bonded me to Andrew because I knew I could trust, you know, that he was listening to God because, you know, our, our hearts and, and the things that we felt like God were, was saying to us, they were aligning and, and connecting. So so you said you kind of put some safety measures. Mm-hmm. And was that to, like, protect you from other people or to protect you, like, give you control? I mean... Yeah, I, I think a part of my personality is is to people please, and I'm not sure at what point that developed in my life, if that's something I've, I've always done or if uh-huh. that's like a coping strategy I developed um, just because I don't really love conflict either. <laughs> um, and so I it was just um, I don't, a, a humanistic, fleshly desire for control, and I figured out early on in life that I could I could control a lot of situations just by, you know, making sure that people around me were you know, okay with me as a person or okay with the things that I was doing or, you know, I just kind of lived my life based off of the expectations of other people and I didn't really worry about whether I had expectations for myself. And so I think this is one of those situations where that that really became clear to me that that was something that God was trying to uproot in me mm-hmm. um, through this process. And, um, and so I, I'm really grateful for the time that we had because I think that that was an important part of the process for me. Because did you feel pressure to have a baby by outer influences? We actually have really supportive families. And and part of the last nine years of our marriage has been, you know, my 
husband, Andrew, was serving in the military, and then um, he was finishing up a business degree. When he finished his degree, I went to school for education, and then he went to school for engineering. And so we've kind of been back and forth in school, and, and our families could see that that, I mean, took up a lot of our time and, and our resources. And, you know, in different seasons of life, either Andrew wasn't able to work as much or I wasn't able to work as much. Um, and so, like, logistically, they understood that it made sense, and they have always, you know, felt like our lives are our lives, and they didn't want to interfere or try to, you know, tell us what we should do. So we felt no family pressure, which was so great. I know that's not always the yeah. case. Mm-hmm. Um, and same with our friends. You know, they just um, wanted God's best for us, and so they would, you know, just when I was struggling with wanting you know, to, to do the things that I felt like I was supposed to do in a specific season. I had, you know, a lot of friends that I reached out to and they worked as my sounding board to kind of confirm the things that God was putting in my heart, um, ahead of time and, and through that process. So that's good. Yeah. Um, I just asked that question because you said you were a people pleaser. Yeah. And I know that having babies can be one thing that a lot of people feel they have the right to speak into your life about when really that's a decision for you and your husband. But um, did you ever feel disappointment when you felt God was saying, wait? I I think it was such a mixed bag of feelings because I think that I struggled with feeling disappointment in and feeling like maybe we were supposed to wait because I wasn't ready and, you know, wanting to figure out how to be ready but I also feel like um, there were so many things that were so intimidating about, you know, bringing a baby into that stage of our lives that that, you know, was one of the ways that God mercifully provided peace. He's like, you know, in the season, I haven't provided for these things, you know, the way that I can or I will for in the next season. I mean, he can, mm-hmm. but he, he hadn't done that necessarily yet. And so I it was a, a mixed bag of feelings. I think there was some guilt in there over just you know, feeling like I should be at a certain stage in my life and I wasn't. And, um, yeah, but the overwhelming feeling was definitely a sense of, of peace and a a sense of being seen and understood. And I knew that God knew what I was struggling with and I could talk to him about the the guilt and, and the things that I was feeling and, and that those things would go away as I, you know, filled my life with truth and, and I sought out, you know, people who would speak truth into my life in those seasons, things like that. So not focusing so much on it, mm-hmm. but knowing and being content in where the Lord had you yes. and then also kind of finding those other people to kind of help you remain yes. content. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, what about Andrew? How was he doing during this whole process. I mean, you said that he helped confirm yes. sometimes for you that God really was saying, wait, right. um, what were his emotions like during this process? So he always seemed to have this sense of clarity, which was really great just because, you know, I, I wrestled a lot with having clarity in, in the, the different seasons we, we were trying to decide if we should start our family. Um, and he would say that in those different seasons, um, like God definitely used like the logistical, practical reasons to confirm for him that like this isn't necessarily the right season. But he's he we were just talking about this recently, and he was saying underneath it all, he always knew that there was some other reason, and he just didn't know what it was. Hmm. Um, and it wasn't until um, we finally both felt like it was time to start our family that he recognized that there were things that had to happen in each of us as individuals, and there were things that needed to happen in our relationship. 
And had we, you know, started our family sooner, obviously, I mean, God's gracious and, and he would have helped us to work through really difficult things. But I think we grew so much, especially over the last three or four years as individuals and as a couple, um, that, that, that season of waiting was just such an opportunity and important part of our, of our growth as people and in our relationship. Yeah. So that was definitely, I'm now looking back, we both will, would say that that was the reason why God wanted us to wait. Um, but at the time it would, it, it seemed more practical than that. I was going to say, that's such a guy way to look at it. Yeah. (laughs) Well, I looked at the logical and the practical side and you're like, Okay, I'm trying to not let my emotions be the only thing that drives me here, right? Yeah. Difference between guys and girls. I know. Well, and it was so funny because when we would talk about it, you could you could sense that fight in both of us. You know, Andrew wanting to step outside of the logical and see if God was calling us into a season of faith, you know, Mm -hmm. knowing that God would provide. Or, you know, sometimes is it okay if the logical, you know, stands as the reason for right now? And then, you know, the same for me, fighting that emotional side of, of feeling like, you know, pressured by, you know, just general expectations, not, you know, obviously by anybody, but expectations of what I felt like I should be doing at that point in my life and, and, and trying to get onto the more logical and, and even like God inspired side of things. So does God do that? Does he like call us sometimes out of the logical into the faith side of stuff? I think he calls us out of what we think is logical. And so sometimes we don't necessarily see the logic in it until after the fact. But, I mean, I also believe that there are probably instances where there seems to be a logical path and, and God calls us away away from the practical side. You know, because, I mean, even talking to, like, people who have given out of their faith, you know, if they feel like God laying it on their heart to support, like, a missionary or to give to an organization and they're like, I, but I don't feel like I have enough you know a lot of times you know you hear stories about how they give and then God provides like more than they needed or gives them back what they had given and and so I think in in that respect we can be really tunnel visioned on the logical side and what looks like our logistical needs and sometimes God calls us out of that to stretch our faith but um, I also think that there are probably more times where we think we're being really logical and it isn't until after the fact looking back that we see you know that maybe that wasn't as logical because God's logic is, you know, totally different than ours. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So I know that you guys felt like God was like, okay, wait, you mm-hmm. know, it's okay. It's not the time yet. And now you're kind of at that point where he's like, okay, this is the time. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Do you have any advice for women that are in the same position you've been in for the n- last nine years? Um, where they're just waiting and waiting and waiting. Mm. I, mean, I didn't it, ask you this question. I didn't prepare you. For no, this. there's. I know. I appreciate you asking. I. I think. I felt so unprepared in the season, and like, I don't know. I fought the waiting. And so. I, I hesitate to give somebody a piece of advice that I would have had trouble following. Yeah. But I think, honestly, looking back, if I had been, I think, more open to just stepping out of the expectations that I had for myself and resting in the truth of what God was showing Andrew and I, I think I would have experienced more peace more often. You know, there were long stretches where it was like, okay, this is this is where we are, this is what we're doing, and, and I had finished 
you know, working it through in my mind. But I think as women, we have a really hard time, I mean, really stepping outside of our expectations for ourselves in any season or in any situation and just resting in who we know that God says that we are. And, and I think that was the biggest thing that came out of the last, especially the last three or four years for me was the fact that my identity and who I am as a woman and a child of God is not dependent on whether or not I'm following a schedule I feel like I should be following or I'm making decisions that are consistent with the decisions I've seen made around me or, you know, doing the things that I know that other people would prefer that I do that, you know, in the end, I'm, I'm experiencing the most peace and the most joy and the most satisfaction in my life when, when I know that I'm following, you know, God's plan for my life. And, and when I'm engaged in that relationship to the point where even if I don't understand why things are happening or why we're waiting or why I'm not the way that I want to be, that, that God is taking care of me and he's using all of it to to create beauty within me that I'm not going to see until the whole process is over. Mm-hmm. Gosh, and that can apply not to women that are waiting for a baby. Mm-hmm. It can apply to women that are waiting for a husband. Yeah, It can apply to women that are waiting for a job, waiting for a promotion, mm-hmm. waiting for really anything in life. Mm-hmm. Um are there life rhythms or things that you turn to when you were in that season of waiting to help you keep your mindset in the right place? I think it it depended on the situation, but I actually I would say that more often than not for me, it just because I mean music has been the way that I've connected in my relationship with God since I was a kid. Um there were a lot of times where um, making the choice to worship, even though I was really wrestling with God and, and I didn't feel like worshiping, um, it kind of, I don't know, cracked the hardness mm-hmm. around my heart that was keeping me from connecting to my relationship with God. I think that was a season of life where I learned about dialoguing with God, that, you know, my prayers, they kind of shifted from, you know, being really formulaic to just this open exchange between God and I where I felt like I could just explain my frustration and my hurt and feeling like, you know, at this point in my life, like that God would have given things to me that, you know, he hadn't at that point and, and expressing to him my, not, I, and maybe some days my frustration, but I think more often than not, like my disillusionment with you know, the fact that there were desires in me and, and there were things that I knew like scientifically were better for my body and better for my baby and, and things like that. And, and, and not being able to rationalize all of the things that I understood and all the things that I was feeling with the fact that God was asking us to wait. And so there was just, I I think I have a hard time articulating what would happen in those moments because it would, it was so different every time, you know, there were, there were times where I would be dialoguing with God and I would feel like he was telling me something really specific. And I can't think of one off the top of my head, but I just, 
that was whatever I needed for that moment. Mm-hmm. And there were times where, you know, just letting it all out and, and crying about it or, or being frustrated about it and, and just and continuing to speak the fact that I knew that God loved me and, and I knew that, that he had a good plan for me and I knew that his plan was, you know, to take care of Andrew and I and, and to to grow us in our holiness because because that is my goal in life. It's not my goal in life. has I understood it needed to shift from, you know, becoming a mom to becoming more holy. You know, as I studied God's word, I understood more of what that looked like. Um, I, as I would, I don't know, explain those things to God and, and try to speak truth over them. Sometimes the silence that came at the end of that was enough. You know, it was like this beautiful rest for my soul to be able to, I don't know, to just like let it all go and, and then just be able to stop and to rest and to, to meditate on the truth of who I knew God or who I know God to be. Hmm. So, yeah, it was different, I think, almost every time. Mm. So sometimes just allowing yourself that moment to claim the truths you know about God, mm-hmm. even though maybe you're not convinced that they're true. Yes. Yeah. Setting aside that time to have that one-on-one time with God mm-hmm. and tell him really what you feel. Right. But not just what you feel, but what you know about him. Mm-hmm. And then not expecting there to be like this thunderous response. Right. But almost like I know these things. And so even if you don't respond to anything I say right now, mm-hmm. like I'm still going to believe them. Right. And they yeah. still impact who I am. Right. So music was a really big part of that for you. Yes, definitely. And now yeah. you are a worship minister. Yes. Um, and you get to do that for other people. Yes. Yeah. And that is, I don't know, the most humbling and most fulfilling thing I've experienced, I think, up to this point in my life. I love it. So what do you do at your church as a worship minister? Just basically, um, I mean, aside from the logistical picking out songs and stuff, I just have the beautiful opportunity to to present an opportunity for people to worship God through music and through prayer, through the reading of scripture and, and to, you know, prepare their hearts. Cause you know, usually the music comes up front. And so, you know, we get to dive into God's word together after that. So it's just a moment for us to pause and, and to meditate on, on who we know we are and who God is. And, um, I don't know, sort of process through music, some of the things that we're walking through. So you mentioned, Scripture reading, and you mentioned music. So worship to you is more than just the songs that we sing. Absolutely, yeah. What is it? What is the full picture of worship for, in your mind? I think that there, I mean, there are definitely things that the Bible is is super clear about being acts of worship. Um, and I mean, definitely, like, you know, songs and, and engaging with music is one of those things, you know, prayer, meeting together. Um, as a body of Christ and, and opening his word together and, you know, we can worship through giving. I, I think in this season of life, I'm also recognizing that sometimes, you know, it doesn't, I mean, sometimes I interact with the spiritual disciplines, you know, as they're known, um, in, in ways that are, I mean, not necessarily formulaic, they're outside of of what I would have expected, I think, in previous seasons of my life. I think I had really concrete ideas of what each of those things looked like. But, I mean, sometimes... And before we go on, what yeah. is a spiritual discipline? So, as... I'm not sure how to just... I mean, like, it's like... 
I'm probably struggling to describe it because it's one of those buzzwords that you learn when you're little in church and you're like, well, what is a spiritual discipline? So they're the ways that we engage in our relationship with God. Um, and it's just, I mean, anything outlined in scripture that, that allows us to, to interact with, with who he is or with him and, and with his heart and, in both learning and, and pouring out our love for him in, you know, acts of obedience. So, you know, reading the Bible, praying, fellowshipping together, we can worship through giving, I fasting, think, fasting. Yeah. There's like a whole list and depending on which book you pick up, you know, either there might be 11 spiritual disciplines or there might be five, but I mean, the truth is they're all written in God's word. And so, um, it's basically just anything that you use to engage in your relationship with God. That's kind of the way that I understand it. Cool. So, yeah. And so it's your job as a worship minister to mm-hmm. encourage people to engage in these spiritual disciplines. Yeah, absolutely. On Sunday mornings and then throughout the week. Yes, definitely. Yeah, and that I think Sunday mornings are just such a beautiful opportunity for us to kind of refresh and reset and I don't know, just reexamine where we're at in our lives and what we want for our weeks and and it's such a beautiful model of our relationship with God. It incorporates so many of the spiritual disciplines and, and the ways that we engage with our relationship with God that I think getting to do it corporately teaches us so much about each of the disciplines because we all respond to them so differently. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think it, it helps keep our relationship with God fresh and then also, you know, encourages us and inspires us as we step into that, that next week that, you know, this is the level we want for our lives and, and to be able to carry I mean, I guess our understanding of, of what that looks like into the next week is really cool. So as a worship minister, I'm sure that you're not like, well, come on Sunday morning and that's it, right? right. And that's that's where your faith lives and breathes is on Sunday morning. No. Um, <laughs> so what are you hoping as a worship minister that people are, are taking from Sunday morning service and incorporating in their weekly lives? I think it's a tough question only because I know I grew up a lot of my life feeling that there was this list of expectations, things Mm -hmm. that I was expected to do. And, and I lived my relationship with God in a very like checklist, like oriented sort of format. And it was, it sort of missing the element of, of deep and intimate connection with God. And so I'm, I think my hope is that, you know, Sunday mornings they would they would come and they would experience um, interacting with God in a way that that connects with them. You know, and I think that's why it's so important to me to to engage in so many different kinds of opportunities to relate to God on a Sunday morning just because my hope is that one of them connects with them or a couple of them connect with them. And so when they're going throughout their week and they're feeling that tug of frustration or, or discontentment or, you know, whatever the case may be that they, they have a tool that they can use to connect with God and to relate to God and, and to explain where they're at to God. Or, you know, even if they're feeling, you know, seasons of joy and and encouragement that they would, they would have almost like the language and, and not like churches, but they would have like, you know, a starting point, something that they could hold on to, to express their joy and their gratitude you know, to a faithful God who loves them. Yeah. Maybe the words of a song that you guys mm. sang and and playing that song over and over again and meditating on those words. Yes. Or a scripture that you guys shared and going 
you know, to their Bible and finding that scripture and reading it in context and understanding that yes. a little bit more. Yeah. Um, yeah, that makes a lot of sense because you don't want it to just live on Sunday mornings, right? Right. <laughs> yeah. Or to become, you know, well, at church we read the Bible and we pray and, you know, we give and, you know, this checklist of, well, I did all these things or, you know, even in our, our personal walk sometimes, you know, that's kind of what what can happen when if we're not mindful of of the interactions that we're having with God and being really purposeful about the fact that that time is for connection it's not you know yeah. just to just to learn something from the Bible because if we're just learning facts from the Bible like we're missing so much in our relationship with God well, and I even loved how you talked about prayer is not a checklist thing for you it became a dialogue yeah I mean just like you and I are talking right you know we're sitting here got her starbucks coffee yes <laughs> don't worry guys hers is decaf so don't like send her messages and say she shouldn't have caffeine because she's pregnant mine is not decaf and it is a pumpkin spice latte so you can go ahead and shame me about the pumpkin spice latte but i love them anyway <laughs> but we're just sitting here dialoguing right yes. yeah and it's not like it's not like we i mean it's the funny thing is that we actually do have a list of yes. questions, right? Because it's really awkward to walk into a podcast situation if you don't at least know what kind of what we're going to talk about, right? But honestly, it's just like we're sitting here talking, right? Right, and that's a beautiful picture. I love that idea of like mm-hmm. prayer is just dialogue with God. Yeah, it's like sitting down, having coffee with God, and saying, "Okay, let's let's talk." Right, and I think that there's. There, there can still be such a beautiful balance between like the casual conversation of talking to my heavenly father, as well as, you know, the, the reverence that he deserves because he's a holy God. You know, I think that both of those things can be incorporated into this dialogue that I have with God. And, and so much of that is driven by the time that I spend in God's word, you know, the more that I understand about him as father, you know, that conversation, it's okay if it's a little more casual, yeah. you know, because I, I'm interacting with his identity as my father. And, and, and he loves that because, you know, he loves me and he wants me to embrace that part of who he is, you know, well, mm-hmm. he's, you know, completely my father. Cause he is completely all these things all the time, you know? And I also think that, you know, those moments where I'm engaging with scripture and I'm just like overwhelmed by his holiness and, and his, and his goodness and, and how, how great he is as God, you know, those, those dialogues, those conversations, although they might be like super informal, there's still definitely, you know, a reference as I respond to the, to scripture. And, and I think that's why, you know, Bible reading as, as a habit of, of creating intimacy in my relationship with God is, is so essential because it, it gives me things to say to God as we're dialoguing. And, you know, it gives my heart things to sing to him, mm-hmm. you know, when, when it comes time to, to worship in music and, you know, things like that. I love that. Understanding all that different aspects of God. Yeah. And understanding that he is big and reverent, but then he's also our father. Yes. <laughs> I have um, someone that I know. And when she first came to know Christ, I think, I don't remember if she was in junior high or high school. Yeah. And someone told her that like, you know, God is like our father. He's like our friend. And so you just need to talk to him. Like you don't need to have any fancy words. You just need to talk to him. Yes. And uh, this person had also encouraged her to write down her prayers. So she had her prayer journal. And (laughs) she said that a couple years later, she went back to look at her very first prayer journal. And she goes, well, I took her at her word. She said I could talk to God just like I was talking to a friend. 
She goes, there was so much profanity throughout <laughs> that prayer journal. She goes, man, God was getting every part of me. Oh, my God. <laughs> and I love the I'm like, yeah, I mean, you know, God is like, okay, you really are meeting me right where you're at. <laughs> there is no sense of like, oh, I'm going to be super holy yes. in my prayer times. <laughs> I said, and she, her point was like, no. You probably don't want to sit there and, you know, there are verses about, like, you know, using wholesome good, li- talk wholesome talk and, yeah. and good language. <laughs> she goes, but what I love is that I know that God didn't turn his back because yeah. I didn't know that at that point in time. That's oh, where yeah. I was at. And God met me right there. That's beautiful. And she goes, and my prayer journals do not have profanity in them anymore. <laughs> <laughs> and she can see growth. You, know? <laughs> you can. Look at that. <laughs> I just love that story. Um <laughs> So you are actually, we're, we're taking this whole worship thing one step more serious. Yeah. Because you're like actually going to school for it now. Yes. Yeah, that was something that, that God laid on my heart. I think I had been at Light of Hope for about a year. And to be honest with you, when we first ended up at Light of Hope, I, I thought God had made a mistake. I remember that. You weren't really sure. Yes. And it, it was Andrew again, that, you know, he, we had been talking with Pastor Mike because we'd been going to counseling with him for about a year at that point, And he kept dropping subtle hints about, you know, what was it? No, he's not subtle. Um, <laughs> he, he kept saying, you know, I'm looking for a worship leader. And I was kind of like, okay, cool. You know, good for you. I didn't think of myself as being a worship leader. I mm-hmm. just, you know, knew that I sang with the band and, and stuff here. And because let me just say yeah. the way that I know Heather is we went to church together yes. before she went over to Light of Hope. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we were very sad when she left Palmcroft, but so happy that we were sending her out to go and do her, what God was telling her to do. Yes. And she was stepping out in faith even though she wasn't sure. Yeah, I I remember being so sad. I, I felt like I was leaving home, and um, but also really excited because – there just had been so much confirmation that this is where God was leading us, even though I was pretty sure he, you know, was making a mistake, but I know God doesn't make mistakes. That was like, it's one of those, like, it really wasn't logical, but you had to be faithful anyway. Yes. I mean, looking at my resume, there is nothing that said I was equipped. I, you know, had served in, you know, music ministry and stuff since I was a kid, Mm -hmm. but I mean, there are just so many other things that go into being a worship leader that I, I honestly felt like I didn't even really know where to start. And it's funny because I took two years of piano lessons when I was 12 and I, you know, there was some, I don't know, questions going into the whole process as to whether or not there would be an instrumentalist to work with me. And, you know, to make a very long story short, God had given me a, like a piano from the seventies and like, it was so old, the keys (laughs) squeaked like two years prior to all of this. And so I had sort of brushed up a little bit, but I still felt really, you know, ill-equipped to lead from the keyboard. And, um, we got to light of hope that very first Sunday and, um, and just to check things out and see, you know, this is really where God is calling us. I think I'd been there for like 10 minutes and I turned to Andrew and I said, we're supposed to be here. I can't explain it. I just know. And he said, I feel the same way. And then we were talking to Pastor Mike after and he's like, so I don't have an instrumentalist for you, but feel free to use tracks or, you know, whatever you need to use to, to lead worship. And I, I knew in my heart that I, I couldn't lead with tracks. I needed, you know, just to have the freedom of an instrument to be able to 
to follow where the Holy Spirit was leading and, and to create space where space was needed and, you know, to cut things short when it's like, you know what, this just isn't, you know, what God's doing right now. And, and so, um, yeah, I continued to brush up on my piano skills and, and so through that whole process, you know, God just kept using Andrew to confirm that this is, this was where God wanted us. And, and I, and it changed my relationship with God so drastically because I <laughs> I like to tell people I was in my Bible all the time because I felt like I was digging around looking for like the 10-minute fix to becoming a worship leader. <laughs> I, I was sure there were ver- verses buried in there somewhere that were like, okay, when you plan a set list, this is what you need to do. Okay, tell me. Did you Google it? No, actually also? I didn't. Oh, okay. But I mean, I had a lot of really great people in my life that had experience <clears throat> with, you know, building set lists and some of the challenges of being a worship leader. And so I was able to reach out to a lot to different people and you know kind of pick their brains and Good. and but from the beginning I you know I basically told God if we're going to do this you're you're going to have to do it <laughs> and um and he did you know he has every week I you know I sit down at the keyboard with my card charts and and the website that I get my my sheets from and he I say okay what do you want this week or what do you want your people to say to you this week or you know where do you want their hearts to end up this week and and I, I honestly it the weeks where we're really connected and, and I know I can hear him really clearly, I the set list comes together so quickly and I have so mm-hmm. much peace because I, I feel really confident that, you know, God is saying what he wants to say and, and we're going to get to say back to him what he wants us to say back to him. And and so it's just been, I mean, such a precious process in, in tuning my heart to hear him and, and to have confidence when I hear him speak and, and things like that. And I know that your piano skills have improved because (laughs) you, um, (laughs) she led worship for our if gathering event that we did here at our church in at last March. And, um, I was like, look at you, you're playing the piano and the (laughs) last trembling fingers, (laughs) (laughs) but you didn't let us know that you were so confident. And I remembered when you left, you're like, I don't know that I can do this. I don't, I don't feel confident on the piano at all. And you were up there just leaning, doing a great job. Yeah. And I remember asking you one of the last Sundays I was here, I was like, okay, so I have, if I have a chord that's like like F slash C. What do I, what do I do with that? <laughs> what does that mean? <laughs> and so, I mean, even at, like those practical things like God provided and you can Google almost anything related to the keyboard these days, which yeah. has also been so helpful. That's true. So <laughs> Google is a great thing. Yeah. Okay. We have talked about worship music. Why is it that in your opinion, mm-hmm. in your expert opinion, <laughs> <laughs> Um, why is it, do you think that music touches a part of our soul that maybe just reading the Bible can't? Mm. I mean, cause it's very obvious that that's not just like a new thing. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's a reason why Saul needed David to come and play the harp. Right. And it was the only thing that would calm him down. Yes. Like music does something to the soul. Yes. I, I think we were created to respond to music um, I, I know Andrew's really big into like researching things and, and learning new things. Uh-huh. And so he's constantly sharing with me fun facts and, and everything. And he was actually sharing with me, and I can't remember what organization released. They released a series of tracks that were um, rhythmically programmed to affect your physiological body in certain ways. Such really? as, yeah, to relax you or to put you to sleep or to energize you. And they've learned so much about 
the brain and and its electrical impulses and and the way that it responds to music that you know they can tell you that you know Mozart stimulates so many different parts of the brain that it's great for you know for development and and it's so mathematically structured that you know kids that interact with music from an early age experience more success in you know mathematics and stuff in school those are the people that ruined music for me oh I know music was math (laughs) like no it isn't no it isn't don't tell me that (laughs) well it's just so I mean it's so funny to me that like you know I I don't think of it that way you know when I'm listening to Mm -hmm. music I don't think about the math side of it or you know the fact that certain rhythmical like pulses or whatever like affect my brain chemistry and and the way that like it works electrically in different ways but I mean that had to be something that God intentionally created in us you know and scientists are just starting to discover you know all of the the implications and ramifications of of this connection between music and the brain and so I mean, on just like a a structural level, we were created to respond to music. And so I think, you know, whether, you know, it's a a believer responding in worship to the Lord or, or, you know, someone who just really enjoys music and it's not necessarily connected to God. I think, you know, our our bodies were created by God to respond to music in in all these really fascinating ways. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's so interesting because I think that's one of the things where, you know, even I think people find easy to incorporate in their daily lives. Yes. Right? Yeah. Because you're driving in your car to work and you're listening to Christian music. And so not only are you getting that musical pick-me-up, yes. if you will, but you're also getting that little, like, dose of truth, yes, if you will. for sure. Um, but, I mean, it doesn't necessarily have to be, like, Christian music, right? Yeah, absolutely. Which is what you're saying. Like, yes. you turn on that piece that has a really good piece. I'm such a classical person. Anyway, oh my gosh. I'm so sorry. So which so which Drake piece are you listening to? Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Anyway, that you listen to that song that has a really good beat and yes. just it picks you up. You know, there's a reason why they yeah. have hype songs because yes. it affects us in so many different ways. Oh yeah, and pep bands at football games yeah. in high school and yeah. It it affects you emotionally, physiologically, mm-hmm. spiritually. So. I love it. Mm-hmm. I, my oldest, um, he's five and he's really into superheroes. Yes. And um, we also just got Alexa in our oh, house. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> so in other words, someone's always listening to us. I don't know if people say that. But he loves it because he can get Alexa to play any song. Yeah. Almost any song. Oh. And so his favorite thing is to go up and ask her to play different superhero theme songs. Oh, that's so awesome. So it'll be like, Alexa, play the Captain America theme song. Um, and now I, I didn't know that some of these people had theme songs. Like, did you know Robin has his own theme song? I did not. Yeah, I didn't either. <laughs> I mean, we all knew Batman had one. Oh, yeah. Right? But Robin apparently has one. Because he just goes up and asks, and she just starts playing things. And I'm like, oh. Wow. But when... <laughs> When he goes up and says, Alexa, play the Iron Man theme song, what comes up is Black Sabbath's Iron Man. Oh, no. (laughs) (laughs) And and I remember playing that in Pet Band in high school. Oh, yeah. You know, and so we told him he needs to sing a song when he brushes his teeth. 
twice yeah. so that he brushes his teeth for long enough. So now he's in there going, and then he thinks that the words are, I am Iron Man. I am Iron Man. <laughs> That's great. I love that. And it's like, Okay, none of that is right, but it's really cute because you're five. So cute. Right? And so I love to see how the music touches them, mm-hmm. you know, in, in such a strong way. Yeah. So and, and you were talking about pet band. That just made me think about that oh, silliness yeah. that goes on. I'm like, okay, you can't listen to any other Black Sabbath I songs. I love it. But <laughs> that one's appropriate. That one's yeah, no, okay. <laughs> so anyway, well, I have two questions yeah. that I ask. Um, at the end of every podcast. So my first one is you are definitely, you've talked about your journey and how yeah. you are different now than when you married your husband mm-hmm. and you guys have grown together. Um, so who is it that has helped you along that spiritual journey? I think I, I mean, I'm really grateful that from early on in my life, I think there were a lot of people that kind of, you know, helped me along the way. I grew up with two really great, like God loving parents. And so that just, I mean, from the beginning, I think really rooted me in, in the fact that I had a relationship with God and that became really important, you know, later when I was having to lean into that relationship with God and my understanding of God was being tested. Um, and you know, all throughout like junior high and high school, you know, different people were in, and a part of my life as I was figuring out, you know, what a relationship with God looked like on my own. I think probably the person, maybe the two people that have had the greatest, um, profound impact on my spiritual walk with God, um, is Pastor Mike. I think from the beginning of, you know, when Andrew and I first started going to counseling with him, he just, he has this way of making truth accessible and, and letting you off the hook when, you know, I, I come in with these expectations, you know, on Sunday mornings, you know, now when I see him and, and he reminds me that God doesn't motivate us out of um, guilt and shame, that he motivates Mm -hmm. us in love and that when we're, we're away from him, he convicts. And when we experience conviction, it doesn't feel like guilt and shame. It's this, this sensation of, of feeling motivated to make a change. You know, it doesn't immobilize us the way that guilt and shame does. And, and that was just such a powerful um, message in my life, something that I really um, needed, especially, you know, when we first started seeing Pastor Mike, I, I was struggling a lot with feeling guilt and shame just as a person in general for for any little thing. Mm-hmm. And so I think the freedom that came with that and then, and then his ability to constantly speak to the truth of my identity in Christ is just, that's been so important um, as I'm, I'm learning who I am in Christ. And then um, Andrew, he just... God's just grown him in some really beautiful and incredible ways, especially over the last three or four years um, to the point where now, you know, if I'm having a tough morning like this last Sunday, um, he could tell I was really wrestling with myself and I was stuck in my head and, and things. And he said, okay, let's talk about the feelings that you're having. Like we're sitting there mm. eating breakfast. You know, I'm sitting, he's standing, the poor guy stood the whole time. And <laughs> <laughs> and and he, he dug into... Um, just some, some lies that I had been believing about myself as a worship leader. And and the last three weeks or so had, had been kind of a struggle for me. Um, just some changes within the structure of our bandit church. And just all of a sudden I'm playing by myself again. And and I really was wrestling with all of that. And, um, and that can, that he just has this beautiful way that God's equipped him to, to ask the right questions and then to speak truth about who I am over the lies that I'm believing. And, um, and, 
and he helped so much with helping me to identify, you know, the things that I was believing that were not true and, and to, mm. to really lean into who God created me to be and, and the fact that he does things so intentionally, you know, that I shouldn't, I shouldn't doubt, like, if God's put me somewhere, I should just keep doing that until God calls me elsewhere, you know. So I think that they're probably the two that have had the greatest um, impact on my life, spiritually speaking, you know, outside of maybe my parents. Hmm. So. so we also ask, based on our conversation today, yeah, what is one challenge that you might have for our listeners? I think a couple things um, come to my mind uh, right off the bat, which is probably usually a pretty good sign that that's, you know, the direction that God's headed. But um, <laughs> the the first one I would say is that that truth is so important to our worship relationship with God, to that intimacy that we experience with God. You know, I mentioned earlier that, you know, it, it gives us the language to speak it, you know, it gives us things to think about and, and to meditate on. And, and I think so often, especially in our culture, there's this deep concern that worship, especially like in churches Mm -hmm. is becoming a very like emotionally driven experience, Mm -hmm. but there is something really beautiful that happens when we experience or we encounter truth and, um, and it creates an emotion within us. Like that emotion is a response to who God is and, and that that's beautiful, you know? And, and I think, um, focusing in on, on who God is and, and the truth of that and who he made us to be, um, as we worship and as we engage in our relationship, it's just, it, it gives our worship purpose. You know, it, that's the thing that bonds us to him is, is worshiping in spirit and truth as the Bible asks us to so do. So truth overall, like understanding mm-hmm. his truth and yes. what's true about him. Yep. Like maybe through scripture reading and, yes. and that type of stuff, yeah. but also identifying what's true within you. Mm-hmm. Um, and not trying to be what someone expects you to be or right. like, you know, worship to me, I agree, is like can be this really great, honest moment, but it yes. can also be a moment where you're doing exactly what people want you to do. Like, yeah. oh, well, everyone stood up, so now I have to stand up. Right. What if you don't feel like standing up? Yeah. Like, sit down, you know? Right. Oh, I have to raise my hands if I want to look super holy. Right. Well, no. And sometimes for me, I, I'm a singer, so people mm-hmm. expect me to sing. Right. Sometimes I find when I'm singing, I'm actually focused more on the notes. Yes. Um, and so if it's a song that has particularly great lyrics, mm-hmm. I'll stop singing and just read the lyrics that are up on the screen. Yes. Because I want to focus on the words. And I know that as long as I'm singing, <laughs> what my brain is doing is it's finding other harmonies to sing. <laughs> I understand that. And I can totally relate with that. And, and to me, the harmony too. However, like when our praise team is singing in three part harmony, Ugh. sometimes I'll just stop singing yes. and just listen to them. Cause that harmony to me is like a beautiful picture of what the angels must sound like, you know, in heaven. Yes. So to me, you know, some people might feel like, Oh, well, if you're doing harmony, like maybe you're trying to show off. No, I feel like, yes, that's a beautiful picture of like everyone doing their own yes. part and making a beautiful noise. Anyway, I love worship too, yes. as you can tell, but I also love when you have the freedom to be mm-hmm. your true self. Yeah. Where are you? Can you just, are you so angry yeah. at your situation or at God yeah. that you just can't sing that day? Yeah. And I, and I think that that, that's one of the things as a worship leader that I want for the people that I have the chance to lead in any setting more than anything is just for them to experience that freedom to be able to worship, you know, however they feel led by God, you know, because that, 
the, that time is not structured for us to all do the same thing at the same time. Yeah. The time is structured so that so that as we enter in corporately, which is what we're called to do, we have the opportunity to to bring our authentic version of life. And and we do learn so much from each other as we experience one another's worship. There was I have this really vivid memory of sitting next to one of my close friends and um, we had been working with the high school praise team and, and we were at the high school praise team event and um, and the guys that were leading the high school praise team decided to to close the event with just a time of worship and um, there was just this spot in the music where um, she and I both felt like this this urgency to bring before God the things that were on our hearts and and our, our song, the thing that we, that we were singing, it was, it was so different in that season of life. She felt this need to, to pour out her heart to God and, and to express her struggle and her, her need for understanding. And in that season of my life, I, I just felt this overwhelming love and this joy in my relationship with God and, and, and so humbled by, by encountering, you know, how big he is and how deeply he loves me. And I just remember being like profoundly impacted by that moment and, and just, experiencing what it was like to worship authentically next to somebody and to learn from the way that they worship God and, and to experience their walk with God. And, and even in that moment, like knowing like how to pray for her and, and, and how to love on her, because some of the things that she was, you know, she was saying back to God or she was singing back to God were things that she hadn't shared with me, which was totally, you know, okay. But it just was, I think when we each, you know, authentically interact with our relationship with God, the the way that the Holy Spirit leads us to in those moments of worship, we get to see, you know, different versions of interacting with God and, and we get to understand God's character better as we watch people interact with him yeah. who know him in a different way than we do. Yeah. And there's just something about that that just, I, it just energizes me and excites me because I, I feel like that that's where the church is headed. You know, I feel like for a long time coming out of, you know, where the, where the church was before, you know, with a lot of like, you know, um, there's just a lot of structure and routine, which, I mean, that was maybe what the church needed at that time. Like, I can't say that it wasn't, you know, I think, I, I think people got really comfortable with having somebody tell them how they needed to worship or what they needed to say next or how they needed to, to sing or, or stand or sit or posture themselves before the Lord. But I think as, as we learn about worship as, as a church, as we learn about worship as a culture, I think we're starting to see that it, it's intended by God to be a unique experience for every single person. Mm-hmm. And when we lean into that and we experience that for the first time, like it just so enriches our worship life that we have, I don't know, a desire to, to do that again and, and to experience that again and, and to encounter God in that way again. And, and so I, I think that's what excites me about worship probably more than anything. So go be your true self. Yeah. Oh, yeah. This weekend. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or at home. It doesn't, you don't have to yeah. wait till the weekend. Yeah. yeah. In your yeah. car, driving down the freeway, in right. your office at work, you know. Yeah. Was there something else that you had? You said that there was a couple things. Yeah. I, I think the other is just to to release your expectations. And it, I mean, kind of goes back to what we mm. were just talking about. I think so often we are quick to define ourselves by the things that we connect with. And in every season of my life, I feel like God has taught me about a new layer of a discipline that I was engaging in, like a new layer of prayer, a new layer of music, or, or a new appreciation for something that maybe I didn't, I didn't really know how to connect with before. And I think too, um, I, that God uses, you know, our, our, 
when we step outside of our preferences and we open ourselves up to other things, we learn so much about God because we have more of those opportunities to understand and appreciate the way that other people interact with God and, and the wisdom that they that they have to share and, and the, the experiences that they've had with God. And so, I mean, I think I would just, you know, encourage, you know, everybody, including myself, I think we all naturally fall into, you know, categories of, of preference or things that we identify with. But, but, I mean, God can work outside of that, and he so often does. So when we feel uncomfortable, sometimes that's when he, you know, moves the most because we aren't looking for something specific. And what I hear you saying, too, is that in your time of, like, discomfort, Mm -hmm. what you're not doing is internalizing and sticking with what you're comfortable with, but actually, like, saying, okay, God, what do you want to reveal to me? Yes. And that may be through another person. Yes. It may be through another culture. Right. It might be through, you know, another type of music since we're talking about music or or something like that that you is not a normal for you Mm -hmm. um but he gets you just uncomfortable enough Mm -hmm. to get your eyes looking elsewhere right to say look out and see what else is out there and what can you you know see yes we're studying acts right now in our bible study and Mm -hmm. we were just discussing how our cultural bias or our um our biblical upbringing, mm-hmm. however we were brought up, right, yeah. um, can kind of shape or color the way that we're reading scripture and how can we make sure that we're reading scripture not through our cultural bias or through the yeah. way we were raised, but actually looking for that truth that you were talking about. Definitely. And saying, really, what does this say about God and who I am because of who God is? Right. Right. Yeah, and I, it's interesting that you bring that up because that's something – that has been, it's made such a profound impact on me as I, you know, have gone back to school and, and some of my classes have been Bible classes. I mm-hmm. think for a long time I felt like studying God's word, like really studying God's word outside of like a Bible study um, was for like the scholarly, you know, those <laughs> those in the ivory towers that know theology and all these things so much better than I do. Um, but I have taken a couple of classes that really challenged me to dig into like the cultural and the historical context of a passage of scripture. Mm. And it just, it transforms the passage when you understand that like the, the passage was was written for an original audience and, and they were intended to receive it a specific way. I mean, even looking at all the things that God says to Israel in the old Testament, you know, Mm -hmm. in, in the seasons where, you know, they were going to experience God's judgment and the seasons where they were going to experience God's blessing for their obedience. And even looking in, in Jeremiah 29 at the fact that, you know, God speaking specifically to their exile and saying, okay, you know, get comfortable because you're going to be here for a while, you know, and that, that, that context of, you know, this is my judgment and it's going to be long and it's going to be painful. You know, once once you have that set up, looking at twenty nine eleven, knowing like God is promising these people that He has plans for them. Yeah. You know, and I think when we take that that verse specifically out of its context, we we miss out on the character of God. Mm-hmm. That like God's speaking to people, He's just like allowed His judgment to fall on, and and we expect you know that when God has good plans for us, that that it looks the way we expect it to, but that's not always the case. Sometimes His good plans allow for for seasons of difficulty in our yeah. lives you know but we understand that that be, that verse speaks to his character that 
that he's a God that if he allows us to go through something difficult, that like he's going to use that and, and he's going to grow us and he's going to change us to make us look more like him, which is what the Bible promises. You know, that when we surrender to God and we're obedient and we, we allow him to do what he needs to do in our lives, that we will become more holy. And, and that's the promise we cling to. Yeah. So. Yeah. Not the promise of, of Jeremiah twenty yeah. eleven because yeah. you you might not want that promise. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Given the, in context, the people, <laughs> given what the people are walking through, to be honest with you, like, yeah, I don't know that I want to go through exile first before, you know, I, God yeah. prospers me and gives right. me a hope in the future. So, <laughs> Yes. Context is so important. To, we were just having this huge discussion about what are uh, um, several verses that, uh, that, culture takes out of context a lot yes and that one was one specifically brought up like that is not a promise for us right now i love what you said about how it shows us a part of god's character yes and we do see that god does have a plan for our lives you know in other parts of scripture right but that one specifically Mm -hmm. yeah you're right i i don't if if you want the ver- the promise, you have to take the context too. Yeah. Well, and I, <laughs> I'm good. <laughs> I'm okay with that being for Israel. <laughs> well, and I think too that you know it the that was something I didn't really understand how to look into. But I mean, it's not challenging to seek out the like the cultural and historical context. There are like so many great commentaries out there, uh-huh. and you know if you're connected with I mean anybody in the church, they can probably recommend a great commentary. And although commentaries don't stand alone like scripture. You know, you need the yeah. scripture first and you need to understand the scripture in its context. You know, going to the commentary after that and seeing what it says about what was happening, you know, to the people that were being addressed. You know, even all the letters to the churches in the New Testament, like, mm-hmm. you know, understanding that these are brand new churches, these are brand new believers and and Paul's commending them for their faith in some places and in other places he's saying, whoa, <laughs> yeah. you guys have got it all wrong. You need to, you know, step back and reevaluate and, and you know, make sure that the gospel that we're giving people is is the truth you know that's just it's so powerful you know Mm -hmm. as opposed to just picking up a passage of scripture and applying it to my life where you know oftentimes it loses so much of the significance i i don't know that this applies for everything but i was once told that if you want the full to understand a little bit more of the context of a verse that you're looking at yes or to know if you truly understand it correctly is to take two chapters beforehand and two chapters Mm -hmm. afterwards and read it in that way yeah. um, because it lets you know what's going on before and what's coming afterwards yes. and you have a better understanding of the context of it. I mean, yeah. obviously if you can read the whole book, right. Great. Even better. Yeah. You know, even better <laughs> if it's Jeremiah or Isaiah, those are really long books, yeah, so, that's true. but two chapters before two chapters afterwards and then mm. see what other questions you have right. um, to help you get better context. But yeah. well, and not being afraid of those questions. I think so often before when I was approaching God's word, like if I left it, like not understanding it it would there was like I don't know a sense of uh, that I missed something you know but Mm -hmm. it I mean God is clear in scripture that you know his thoughts are not our thoughts you know and so there are going to be so many things about scripture and specifically about God's character that we're not going to understand until we get to heaven and and being okay with living in that place where you know I might not have an answer for this yet and it might come in this lifetime or it might come in the next one and that's okay Mm -hmm. so yeah well, I love that. Yeah. <laughs> I love it when you're talking about something in one part of your life and then like you come into a situation or a conversation yeah. and you're like, oh, wait, I just talked about that over here. Like, yes. you know, oh, and your opinion is the same or not the same. And, yeah. you know, you can kind of talk about it. And that's what I see when I'm actively reading 
mm-hmm. my Bible, yeah. when I'm reading scripture, is it's amazing to me how, like, all of a sudden the scriptures that I'm reading will apply in some way. Yes. You know? And I also love it when I, like, read something and I'm like, oh, I should tell so-and-so about that because that's what they're really dealing with. And then later on that day, it fits like to exactly what I deal with that day. And I'm like, oh, that wasn't for someone else. That was for me. Um, I understand. (laughs) But I think that, um, you know, it's amazing how God will give you opportunities to either apply it. Definitely. Or use it to benefit someone else during the day. Yeah. um, And encourage someone else. uh, Or... Just to be like, oh, you're you're dealing with that too. You're reading that too. And it just confirms that that really is truth that mm-hmm. you're hearing and someone else is hearing. Definitely. Yeah. I, yeah. When things show up more than once in my life, I'm like, okay, God, what are you trying to say? Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Well, thank you so much for talking with us. Thank you for having me. This has really been great. It. Yeah. And you're due when? Your due date? March 16th. Well, we'll be praying for you. Thank so you. Excited. Yeah. Meet the little baby. We're excited. Very cool. Well, thank you. Thanks. Well, I don't know about you guys, but I felt throughout our entire conversation the sincerity of her heart. And it was amazing to watch her talk about her relationship with Christ. I mean, it was like she was talking about someone that she just loved so dearly and so deeply. It's really spoke to the amazing relationship that she has with her Heavenly Father. And I really hope that you guys were encouraged by her words. As I mentioned at the end of last week's episode, I am so excited about our fall lineup of guests. If you'd like a sneak peek of those guests and maybe even have the opportunity to ask them your own questions, then head on over to patreon.com slash journeyofruth, and for just $5 a month, you can become a patron. We are so blessed to have our patrons over on patreon.com and so encouraged by their involvement in the podcast. Thank you to those of you who have left reviews on iTunes. If you haven't had the chance, head on over to iTunes and leave us a rating and a review so it can help other people find the podcast. If you'd like to interact with me during this week, you can find me over at Facebook and Instagram at Journey of Ruth or on our website at journeyofruthpodcast.com. Thank you for joining me this week, and I will see you next Monday right here on the Journey of Ruth podcast.